taking a chat with Mr. Tate, cut man from UFC, known for his handsomeness, big barrel <laughs> chest, massive shoulders, and fixing people up between rounds when they're bleeding from their face and whatnot. And uh, you also wrap the hands at the show as you wrap the fighters' hands yeah. backstage before they put the gloves on and come yeah, out, so, yeah? yeah? The most important part of the job actually is uh, the hand wrap and what goes on backstage. So uh, that's where a lot of the focus of the job is. You know, like it's fun to be in front of the camera in the cage, but a lot of the work is done in the back where you're wrapping the guy's hands, you're getting them ready. You're making sure they have everything they need so they can go out and perform, you know, and, and that's what we do. There's a lot that goes into it from, like, wrapping the hands, getting the gloves on. You have uh, people getting the equipment team, getting uh, the, the outfits correct, the cups and all that stuff, the mouthpieces, and then, you know. You don't help put the cups on, do you? <laughs> It seems like it might be somebody else's job. I mean, yeah, that is somebody's job, but, you know, um, even down to the red and blue tape that goes on, mm -hmm. that's what we do. So uh, the finished product of what goes on in the back is when you see that guy come to the cage and get prepped by one of us. So even, you know, the cut man wraps his hands and then the cut man applies the Vaseline to the face and then he's inspected. So we kind of have a little bit of a, a lot of stuff going on interacting with the fighter that night of the show. How many shows do you think you did? You say you've been at 50, about 15 years at uh, UFC. About 15 years. So it's picked up now. So I would definitely say I'm well within to say close to 1,000, maybe over 1,000 shows that I've been involved in with, with this. So our fights, you know. Yeah, if you're doing, you know, was there 40, about 40 shows a year. Yeah. And if you, you're taking care of, your, you know, you said you wrap about five people. Right. Dealing with about five people at a show. Yeah. So that's about a couple hundred a year. So, two yeah. or three, two or three fights a night, yeah. So I'm close to a thousand, you know. I'm not the most seasoned guy, but you know, I definitely got, I got some miles on me. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I panic too much in the cage, but you know. You don't look like a guy that panics too much about nothing. No, I've had, I've had some, I've had some, what if moments in the octagon. I'll definitely be honest with that. You know, you get in there and sometimes uh, you just, you just look. You know, you kind of freeze, and then, you know, sometimes the fights are so good, you find yourself watching. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, like, I got to go do that. So, but for the most part, no, man, I, I would like to say, like, you know, we get it done, you know, when we need to. Yeah, how, do you, how, do you, how does one go about this life path where... Uh... You're a young man. You said you grew up in rural Texas. Right, yeah. I grew and up then, in a small town, yeah. So from small town, rural Texas, I grew up in a smaller community in Illinois myself, mm -hmm. and... How does, how does one end up, uh, you know, being on the, all these pay-per-view shows and around the, you know, some of the most famous fighters in the world, some of the most important moments in UFC history, you're in there patching people up and getting them ready for the next round. How did this come to be? Um, I didn't set out to do this. I actually was a firefighter paramedic in New Mexico. And, you know, when I was there, I would, like, help the guys with IVs and stuff. And so I would travel and go to shows and, and help them rehydrate after, after they cut weight. And this was when it was, uh, you know, legitimate. You could do it. And um, I saw it, and I was just like, man, like, I want to do more. And I spoke to Burt Watson, and I was like, man, you know, I went up and kind of gave him my credentials. Like, man, I'm a paramedic, and there's nothing in the cage that can go wrong that I haven't seen. And, I, you know, I do this. And he was like, well, can you wrap hands? And I was like, what? Like, what is, what is that about? He said, yeah, you know, like, you know, wrapping hands, learn how to wrap hands. 
So had no clue. Just asking somebody to show you how to wrap hands was like a, a process. Like, because mm. people don't, several people know, but it's like very few know that how to do it, like, you know, effective. Like you got boxing wraps, you got different kind of wraps. So that was a part. So uh, Mike Winklejohn helped me. And then Trevor Whitman helped me. Mm. Bob Ware was the guy that finally showed me. Don House helped me. Rudy Hernandez. So these guys kind of like showed me. And so I would learn, I would, they would show me, of course, like going back and forth, I still wouldn't get it right, but I would get something kind of, and then I would go to the gyms and I'd be like, hey man, can I wrap your hands? And of course, like the pros that were like, you know, like, man, get the hell out of here, like no, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. And then finally like, uh, Melvin Gallar was like, yo man, yeah, like, I need my hands because my hands are this. So I, he started letting <clears> me practice on him. Michael Johnson was another guy. And so I would keep doing it and just, they would like it, it wouldn't hurt their hands, their hands would feel pretty good. So then Melvin had a fight and was like, hey, Bert, this is my guy, can he rap? You know, and of course at that time, Bert knew me because I was around all the time because I was doing stuff with the fighters, you know? And so uh, Bert finally was like, yeah, he can rap your hands. So I got to rap Melvin. So I rapped Melvin's hands a few times. And uh, of course Melvin won, nothing happened. And then I kept on pressuring Bert, like, man, I'm rapping and I'm doing this. He's like, yeah, he was like, yeah, but he's like, you forget sometimes, man, when the lights go on, people's lights go out. He was like, I can't have you go out to the cage and freak out. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, bro, come on, man. This is me, like, you know, not kind of knowing, kind of still kind of feeling myself, look like, bro, freak out, like, come on. So uh, I would go to like the small shows in Texas, you know, that's why, like, when people ask me, I'm like, bro, would you pay to do this? Because I had to, man. Like, I would go to, like, small shows, stay in some of the worst hotels, you know, show up with my gauze and tape, wrap these guys' hands, and, and get the feel for everything. So, man, I did that for, like, two or three years. Mm. You know, and I kind of had the intern thing with the UFC where I was, like, just showing up again on my own, and Bert would let me in the back. I'd wrap Melvin's hands, and, you know, if he needed something, I could do red and blue, but I really wasn't kind of, like, in the thing yet. And uh, finally, like, it happened in Toronto. Like, he gave me the shirt and told me to report to the hotel and kind of, you know, put me in. And, and there for a while, man, maybe like a year or two, I was, like, just doing red and blue, which is basically red and blue is where you put, after the fighter's got his gloves on and his hands have been wrapped and he's getting ready to go to the cage, they put the red and blue tape on. So I must have did that for, like, a year, bro. Like, and he would give me, like, the first guy on the card and he would let me wrap their hand. The very first fighter, which is pretty like, these guys are welcome to the UFC. They don't, you know, it's like, you're gonna wrap his hands. Cause again, they're new, they don't know any better, you know? Of course they want the, the guys like Stitch and House and those guys, but Bert's like, nah, this is my guy, he's wrapping your hands. So I did that for like two or three years. And then finally we were in Nebraska and uh, Rudy Hernandez, Went to Bert and was like, hey, man, like, are we going to keep this guy? We're going to use this guy. Because if we're going to, it's not fair. We need to, like, see what he can do. We need to give him an opportunity. And uh, Bert was kind of like, you know what, fine. He's your headache. So I was pretty <laughs> much assigned to Rudy, you know. And, uh, and uh, so we're sitting there, and Rudy does this. And Rudy's kind of teaching me again, bro. Like, keep in mind, like, I really didn't know anything, bro. I had the grease, and it was it was still so much that I did not learn about being a professional cut man, you know? And so, of course, Rudy starts getting there and it's like, it's like a kid going to school for the first time or like your son going on a date with the tie. Rudy's like, all right, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you know? And at the time, I'm like, man, come on, like, you know, I'm ready. I'm so eager to get out there. And um, 
<laughs> so Bert lets me go, and I mean, are we allowed to curse or no? Or, we say anything okay. else we want to. So Bert goes, and Bert, you got to hear Bert got the old gravelly voice. He's the guy that says we're rolling, and Bert was like the hype man. So Bert was like, "All right, baby, don't f this up." <laughs> and I'm like, so. I've watched Stitch, and these guys are pros, bro. They're making it look good. They're finessing with the grease. And I'm like, you know, so the first thing I do is I get out there, man, I get my grease, right? Fighter comes up, and, you know, of course, you hear Bert, like, don't freak out. You know, like, when the lights come on, you know, of course, there's nobody out there. It's, it's, it's like a few people in the arena, you know, but you can hear the music. This Brazilian fighter, I don't know his name, he comes up to me. This dude speaks no English. His music is going, he's feeling it, and he's just having a good time, and I'm getting ready to do my thing. Now, you gotta understand, I don't watch Stitch do this. I'm like, all right, man, I'm ready. I poked this guy in the eye. <laughs> and I mean, it's I me went to the second knuckle, bro. I was like, I was like there. And so, <laughs> he gets in the cage after I blinded him, you know, everybody's looking, I'm like, oh my God, this is, I cannot believe this. And so, uh, he gets in the cage, he actually wins, but Bert is sitting there and he just looks at me. He's just like, didn't take you long to f*** that up, huh? And I'm like, come on, Bert. So now I'm like, man, I'm done. I'm like, they're going to fire me before I start. So that was something that was really cool, man, that like actually had to humble me. Because I was, I was like, man, I'm a paramedic. This is nothing. But that experience like humbled me because the dude didn't speak English. It was like everything was just perfect. Like he didn't speak English. Here I am sitting there trying to talk to him. And I'm kind of like, you feel that adrenaline rush. You're like, I got to hurry up and get this guy in here. You know, like he's here in front of me. So that was the first thing is like becoming that cut man, the, the coming that, you know, doing it was like, I had to learn kind of take a breath and slow down. Like I was getting just as excited as the fighter because I'm like, you know, I'm at UFC, you know. So keep moving forward. You know, I'm still going through my process. We go to another fight. Uh, <laughs> bro, I have like, the grease on my on my on my hand that we apply to the face. Well, it's very lit, light. You don't have to use a ton of grease. Nobody told me that. You know, they didn't tell me that in cut man school. You know, and I'm sitting here thinking I know everything. So I have like a mound of grease on my hand, like a like a wad of bubble gum. And uh Herb was behind me, and I think Rob Monroe was there. And fighter comes out, and <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened, but somehow someone bumped me and the grease is gone. So God comes to me and he's sitting there looking at me and I look down, I look at him, I look down, I look at him and I'm like, uh, so I just take the little grease and I put it on the thing and I tell Rob, I'm like, yeah, I gave him the phantom. And Rob, of course, is laughing at me. He's like, what happened? I'm like, bro, I don't know what happened to the grease. He said, what do you mean? I was like, bro, I just, did it slip off my hand? Like, I don't know. And this is the first time I'm ever going to admit this. It was on Buffer's suit. Somehow I bumped into <laughs> Buffer and got the grease on Buffer's suit. And so, of course, like, he goes up the thing and Rob looks and everybody's like, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Buffer goes up in there. And I feel so bad because Buffer's the greatest guy ever, right? But then, like, three, like, a couple of months later, I'm, like, talking to Buffer. He's like, hey, Tate, watch out. He was like, yeah, man, one of the cut men bumped me and got grease on my suit. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, who did? Buffer, they got to be more careful with that stuff the whole time. It's not me. So Buffer, he's, just, he's probably going to come to me and be like, Tate, it was you. I'm like, yeah, it was me. So 
<laughs> I know Bruce Buffer. But Buffer has done things for my business. Buffer's been uh, with the interview together yeah, like this. It's like Buffer's amazing. He comes and says hi every show. He comes say hi sometimes twice. Buffer's really nice amazing. man. Buffer's so. But again, like when he called me, I was like. I was like, man, yeah. But I never told Buffer that, man. I never did, because he was just like, but now I even learned, like, I'm like, man, you don't need all that grease. So that was the first thing, too, like, becoming a professional cut man, man, it takes like a year and a half before you learn how to get calm, you learn not, like, not to go in the cage, because, man, I'd run up in the cage and wouldn't have the, the, the swabs dripping with uh, adrenaline, you know, and it's like like little mistakes. So now... Like the big swabs on the sticks. Yeah, like, man, I would go in there and be like, oh, I forgot to dip this in adrenaline, like, you know, but you put it in there. And so, like I said, again, becoming a professional, it took some time. And, of course, like Rudy and House and those guys working with me, like, hey, man, slow down. Like, bro, even, like, the hand wraps, like, you know, my hand wraps are decent. Now, when I first started, oh, my goodness gracious, bro. Like, it would just keep getting bigger and bigger, and I'll be like, shit. And the guy sitting there looking at me like, you know, like, yeah, man, I love it, it feels great, you know? And I'm like, this doesn't look like everybody else's hand wrap. Like, I don't wanna say nothing, no. but I understand why Bert put me with those guys, because hell, they didn't know. You know, they didn't really know what was going on, but they're coming up from these small shows themselves. They're just like big lights, you know, UFC. So here's this guy that don't know what he's doing. And it must be okay because Bert said it was okay, you now, know. I, I don't know the difference. I, Paulie Malinaji is my boxing coach. Okay. Um, and Paulie's, you know, a fantastic boxer. He's mm -hmm. a multi-time world champion boxer. And so, you know, he's he wrapped my hands many times, and I figured out how to do it myself now. Right. That you know, watching him do it, and uh, we train together. He comes and sees me every month. We we work out for like a few days together, like three days together, and until my hands are sore and bruised and tender. <laughs> and uh, recently, they hurt less because I have enough nerve damage now from punching. The, oh, the, wow. The, uh, they heard a little less than they used to. So <laughs> it's getting better. But is there, is there a difference in, you know, you guys are using four-ounce gloves at UFC, mm -hmm. and we're using, like, 12 or 14-ounce gloves for, you know, just training together mm -hmm. and, you know, playing around. So is there a difference in the way you, you wrap your hands for boxing versus those four-ounce gloves for UFC, for MMA? Well, if you honestly believe it, um, we use more padding in boxing. Mm -hmm. because the way the UFC glove is, that padding is right there. Mm -hmm. So, but you still have to use protection. And, like, as far as, like, boxing, you'll go back further. With the with MMA, it's, like, here. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you wrap a guy's hands in MMA, you'll get a guy that's a wrestler. And those guys typically don't like a big, thick uh, uh, wrap. They want it very small because they want to grab and stuff like that. They don't really want their wrist too tight. Uh, you get punchers guys that are strikers that they want and understand like, yo, this is to protect my hand. Mm -hmm. So they want that. So you have to learn and you, and different fighters, man, like some of the fighters that are like hard strikers really don't like a lot of padding, you know, and they feel like it's, um, you know, it takes away from the punching. So uh, you typically give them what they want, man. And you want it to fit in there. Like the one thing you don't want is your hands to be so tight that they can't utilize them when they're in a fight. You know, if they might have to grab or they might have to try to do something, you want them to be able to uh, use their hands. So you want them, you, you want it to be firm but not too tight where their fingers are turning blue and, and all cold, which I learned that too because guess what? I definitely, you know, I'm a big guy, man. I realized, like, sometimes it's technique and I would be ratching on it, but... You know, I put it on real tight and the guy's hands turning blue. And, of oh, course, wow. they don't want to say something like, ah. like, bro, like, I can see your your hands are turning blue. Let me do this. So, 
Yeah, bro. That the first couple of years of this, trust me, it was it was understandable why Bert kept me in the back because I, I was, like I said, I would do things and and these guys would have to critique me and tell me that. So I actually had to have a thick skin, like with dealing with Rudy. Like Rudy's like my mentor, like because he just gives it to you blunt, like you know, hey, you sucked at this. You know, you should have used the inswell. You didn't. Uh, don't use this on this one. This is why that happened. And uh, again, so learning to where now I'm not I'm very comfortable but I'm not so comfortable that I don't know what's going on you know what I'm saying like now I'm like I take a deep breath I see a guy get cut now I go through my regiment where I'm like okay I need to dip the swab now I need this I got this much time and now I have my benchmarks so I like if I stay to those things things typically typically will flow smoother versus me kind of just winging it you know now like I have my bucket I have what I need I have it, okay, uh, I'm watching the fight, but I'm also watching the clock. Okay, half the round's gone, let me see what's going on, okay. You know, I'm gonna dip the swab just in case I go in there, because sometimes I went in the cage and, and uh, you know, all of a sudden the guy's cut, I'm like, you didn't see it because it wasn't bleeding. Mm. You know, uh, but I tend to try not to, you know, sometimes I went in without the inswell and then the guy's like swelling, I'm like, so now I tend to have my inswell, have one of the swabs ready, and then, you know, have a cold towel so I can kind of maneuver and see what I'm doing. But it's easy to get excited, man. And some of these great fights, you're in there running, you're grabbing the guy, and it's, it's you know, that's the part where you have to always remember, like, yo, stay calm, you know, let's be effective, you know. Uh, slow as fast. You have some interpersonal moments in there when you're, uh, you're fixing somebody up and... You can tell that like they like they know you or they feel comfortable with you that like they yeah, they yeah, feel good you got their back and you sometimes you hear the fighter like call your name you know like hey Tate you like okay that's really a cool feeling and sometimes you know like I have this damn face that like my expressions bro and I, and I really don't do it on purpose but like you know I had a fighter <laughs> and her nose was broke and she's like, I think my nose is broke and I'm kind of like no and like she kind of moved and you could hear the bone crunching mm. and I was just like. I was like, no, it's good, it's good. <laughs> and then after the fight, she was like, you lied to me, my nose is broke. I'm like, yeah, it's it's bad, it's real bad. But, you know, that's the funniest thing is like, I try to mask it, man, but sometimes I'm just like, when I have the face where I'm perplexed, I'm just like, okay, or you see some stuff. But for the most part, yeah, man, the guys see you, you know, you'll be in the back wrapping their hands, they'll ask if you're gonna be in their corner. Uh, I mean, and then the good thing is, at this level, the UFC, we all professional cut men. So like, you know, it's not like I'm the best or whatever. Uh, any of those guys at the cage at that time are gonna do a great job. But it is a great feeling, man, when you when you can be in there and they do, they, they trust you, they know they got you, you know. You might hear one be like, hey, you know, can you stop this? Or, you know, if they see concern, like, the cut is bad and it might what uh it might be getting stopped or something like that. They're like, hey, you got me. But, you know, we're kinda like an afterthought, you know, but sometimes, yeah, they'll they'll be like, hey, you know, or you you'll see them give you a hug at the cage or dap you up. Like it's a cool feeling, like, you know, this guy knows me, you know, like I'm just not something, you know. Do you guys get randomly assigned to the fighters or do you know, can a fighter say like I want to, you know, I want Tate to look out for me or this other fellow to look out yeah, for me. Yeah, we try, we try to, like, make the fighter comfortable and give him what they want. So, like, yeah, if I mean, and there's no ego. So if, like, a fighter was adamant, like, hey, I want this guy in my corner, we would make that happen. Uh, the fighters do, when they show up, they get to request us as far as, like, hand wrapping. So, again, like, 
the cage is the glory part of it. It's the beautiful part of the of the the job. The hand wrapping to me is the most important because that's where the fighters like I want this guy to wrap my hands. You know, that's how you you earn your keep. And that's the part that I really enjoy, the hand wrapping part. You know, and you're back in the in the bag, there's not a lot of cameras. You can kind of be friends with the coaches and you know, you got to understand like we're doing so many shows. We're like a family. So we see each other, you know? So like on this Saturday, hey man, what's going on? And this guy's got another fighter and he's back next Saturday. He's like, man, did that ever work out? How's your wife? How's your family? What's going on with you? You know, even like with the fighters, you know, that's a cool environment where when they come in the back, they give you a hug. Hey man, you got me? Yeah. Uh, you know, how's everything going at home? Oh man, it's cool. Wife is good. I just had a baby. You know, oh, how's the baby? They show you pictures, which is crazy, you know, because this guy's getting ready to go fight. But at the same time, he can give me five minutes to tell me everything's good with him, you know, and then we get to work, you know, and then I like it where it's, a, I love the fighters when it's like a light atmosphere and there's a bunch of trash talking going on and we're not all serious. That's like probably one of the best things. Cause I'll be honest with you, even now, I still get nervous. Like you gotta understand like, you know, this person is like trusting you with his with his hands, his career, you know? And you don't ever want to see someone go out there and throw a punch and then it's like, oh, like you don't want that. So for me, I'm watching the fights, especially of guys that I've rapped, because I'm like, okay, he's he's doing well and you know, he's he, he okay, good. You know that. But then some of the fighters too, man, you get close to too and they lose and it's like you know, it's it's man, on any given night, it's a lot of up and downs. You know, you go from like, oh my God, this is the greatest person and this is the greatest event to, wow, like, you know, especially like when guys that I like are fighting each other. That shit sucks, man. <laughs> You're just like, you know. I got some of that going on now that I, you know, I, I train with some of the guys that uh, several of them are coming to my home and mm. done interviews with several dozen now people from UFC and other sports too. But, you know, the UFC is the only sport that I pay any attention to or that right. I personally go to or I watch or I think it's interesting, you know. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to say the names, but there's a fight coming up that I'm like, man, I like both those guys. And like, like right. I know both those guys and I like both those guys. And, um, I've had a, a few of those type of situations come up now where, where, you know, one of my buddies, they have a fight with somebody and might not work out for him. And then later on, you know, that guy is saying, you know, you know, Oh, Hey, I'd love to do an interview with you. And, you know, somewhere in my head, I'd be like, well, I'd like to do that too, but it's not the right timing with yeah. given the situation, you know? And that was something that I dealt with a lot. When I first got into the sport, like, I was in Albuquerque, and I was at Jackson's. So, like, all those guys, man, it was like, you know, it was those, that was like, I felt like the family. So I kind of, like, had this, uh, like, this loyalty to those guys. For people that don't know, if you're saying the Jackson Wink Jackson Wink, yeah, Jackson. It was actually Jackson's MMA. It wasn't Jackson Wink. But, gotcha. So it's and, one, of, one of the best MMA gyms in the country, in the world. Yeah, when it, back when this first, when I first got in, bro, they had, like, GSP, Carlos Condor, Rashad Evans. I mean, they had champions, man. Mm -hmm. Even John Jones has started out there. You know, Holly Diego Holm. Sanchez, Holly Holm. Like, they had so many great fighters. So it was very easy, you know, like, because they were, they were the cream of the cream. They were the champions. They, you know, so you didn't really have to deal with that. But then, like, as guys left camps and moved, and then the more you were around the sport and you, like, take a liking to guys, you know, like Cowboy Leaves, and, and all of a sudden you, like, got these guys fighting each other, you know, Carlos Conner and GSP, and it's like, uh, like, what are we doing here, you know? And um, that part was, like, kind of crazy because at that point, man, I felt like, I had to start choosing sides. Mm. 
And then it was crazy because at that point, too, I was like, I don't have to choose a side. Like, I'm cool. You guys are going to get in here and fight. This is what y'all do. You know, like, when y'all done, I'll, I'm cool with you. I'm cool with you. Like, I don't have to necessarily pick sides. You know, and that was the big thing, too, that even Bert was concerned about. He was like, man, like, what happens if, if you have to wrap a guy's hand is fighting Rashad? You know, and Rashad's like a brother to me. So uh, I was like, well, you know, I would have to wrap his hands. But, you know, I had never thought about that. And now, like, I can do it. Like, it's not a problem. Like, there's guys who I'll rap and, you know, because, like, I'm just here, you know. If you put in the time and the training and you know what you did, this is just, you know, this is the easy part for me. Like, I don't have anything to say. I don't have a say on who's going to win or who's going to be victorious. Y'all pretty much have that say. I'm just here to facilitate and do a job. And uh, that was cool. But, like, when I first started, man, that was, that would be something, you know, like GSP would be fighting this guy or, or you know, Rashad was fighting this guy and, and, you know, Rashad and John fought. Like, I was like, you know, Rashad brought me into sport. You know, John, I consider, I consider a friend. And it was like, and now these guys are fighting each other, you know. And I was just with Rashad last week. At, uh, I, I first met Rashad around the time he was champion years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was, we were around each other, I don't know how many, numerous times, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, didn't, we didn't have a close relationship, but we'd see each other out or whatnot. And right. The, the first time I met Rashad, I was at uh, a club in Las Vegas. And I, you know, I went there frequently. So, um, you know, I, the bartenders knew me as very easy, easier for me to get a drink than most mm. anybody in the environment, you know? Right. So uh, I'm at the bar, and I was just going to order a couple of vodka drinks, and uh, you're over my right sh- shoulder, pops Rashad's head. And I was like, you know, I was up. I said, what, you know, what you drink, man? And he's like, you know, I'm, I, I'm just drinking water. And uh, so I, I got him a Fiji water. I handed it over to him and shared a little fist bump. And uh, I just bounced and went back to my life, you know, and like he got plenty of attention from enough people and I knew who the man was and I liked the guy, you know, but uh, I would never the type of guy that, you know, I need to take a bunch of pictures or right, right. do these, you know, the things that a lot of people do. Right. And uh, funny enough, that worked out really good for me over the years. Was... I remember just times with this guy, bro, like when he left, uh, when we went to, from Albuquerque to Denver for his camp and, uh, and he won't mind the story, but I remember we went, we drove to Denver, right? And he was going to do a camp. And this was probably the funnest camp we ever had, man. It was literally like myself, Mike Van Arsdale. And so we first drive up there. You know, I love to drive. So we drive up there and we go to this place. And uh, I think his friend McSweeney like recommended this place. It turned out to be like a halfway house. <laughs> and Rashad was like, man, like, you know, and I had never kind of like understood campus. I was like, I'm not standing this shit, man. Like, it was like, man, it was bad. I mean, it was crackheads. It was, he's like, we're going to leave and they're going to steal our shit. So we go to a hotel and Rashad's just like, man, I got to talk to Sweeney. He's like, bro, I can't, this, I can't be doing this. So of course I'm, I'm always joking with Rashad. Like, you know, the people around the UFC, like I'm the shit talker. Like I'm always poking fun, bro. I'm always that guy. So, like, I'm looking at Rashad, like, oh, so you just, that's how it is now. You're so uppity, you can't stand there. Stay like, here with the crackheads. Yeah. I'm like, we can't stay here. We're, we're above this. And he's like, dude. And he kind of looks at me, he's like, I'm not in the mood for your shit. He's like, don't say anything. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, you know, really? So he's like, I don't, I don't want his shit. He's like, nothing. So he was like, man. So we go to the hotel. The next day, we go and we find this place. And it, it's crazy because it's like downtown Denver, like, it's hopping area, you know, it's right next to the stadium and all this. So it was myself and Van, 
And Rashad, like, as cool as he is, he, like, you know, like, he's new now, but it was always controversy. So Rashad gets the room. He's like, yeah, I'm in this room. So Van and I are literally fighting over the extra room. So, and Rashad, like, loves it. He just, he's cracking up at this. He's like, man, I don't know. Y'all can have that room. I'm over here. So, of course, Van and me are fighting over the room, and Rashad's laughing about it. But we're in this place, and, of course, like, we're loud. But, bro, we were, like, literally the quietest people there. Like, every day there was something going on in this place where we were staying. And we were like, we're the calm ones, you know. <laughs> but we would be in the house, man, and Rashad was, like, dialed in. So we were in camp, so it was none of this craziness. We would, like, literally come here, and Van and me would be going crazy. We'd start playing games on YouTube, like, who could name this song or who could pick a better song, and Rashad would be the judge of it. And it was just, like, still to this day, if you ask him, he'll say that was the best camp we had because it was just us. Man, we would be cooking. I would cook, and we would just just have it. I was like, man, we can't be eating this shit. Like, I'm not going to make weight. So, like, one day he would be like, all right, y'all can cook, and we would have, and we would eat, man. And we would just, it was just Rashad, myself, Van, and Trevor, and we were just in Denver. And every day it would be different weather. It would snow, it would rain, it would be windy, it would be sunshine. But we would just be in the house watching movies, life, just, just three grown men acting like kids, man, picking on each other, you know, if Van was somewhere, I would have to come over there and antagonize Van. And Rashad would be sitting there like, oh, watch this. But, you know, he actually won the fight and it was even better. But we never could, like, do a camp like that again, you know. But, like, whenever I'm around Rashad or Rashad and Van and myself or even Camaro or, or Michael Johnson, bro, it's just, it's brothers and all we do is just at each other the whole time. Just constant, you know. And that's how you know, like, there's love. But it's the same thing in the back at the UFC, man. You guys are out there, I'm either picking on Roger. Roger will say something about this. He'll be like, oh, I fell asleep during the show. Like, that's how they support you. Like, that's how you know your friends support you is when they talk shit about you. Like, guys watch the pay-per-view and like, man, I saw you, you're fat. I'm like, hey, thanks, guy. You know, like, that's, I guess, how we say, hey, kudos or whatever. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you. But, you know, that, that's the funniest part about this sport, man. You meet different people. But you can always be yourself, you know, and, and, and we always have a bunch of fun. That's, bro, if you're not laughing and having a good time, it's just something's wrong with it, you know. You, you mentioned to me earlier, you told Rashad you were coming over here. Oh, yeah, Rashad, and he had nothing but good. Because, like, I'll tell people, like, bro, like, you see me, and I'm like, I'm always talking trash to everybody. You know, I'm the class clown. But, like, this made me nervous. And, of course, Rashad's like, bro, relax. I'm like, nah, bro, like... Like, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I was expecting you to, like, be like, hey, so tell me this. And I'm like, uh, uh, I can't, I don't know if I can talk about this, you know, whatever. But Rashad was like, man, it's cool. You're just going to sit back. Y'all going to be like old friends. He's like, you're going to feel it. And he's right. You know, like, the first few minutes of this, I was like, okay. But now, like, I'm getting comfortable. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, I was like, uh, you know, do I rock back and forth? So, you know, you do make me nervous. <laughs> but that's, that's hilarious to me because you know, I'm, I'm a big man, but you're a really, really big man. And uh, that's hilarious to me. You, you say, you know, man, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous around you, Money Burke. <laughs> I am, man. Like, I'm just like, even like, you know, like, you got to understand, like, even watching you at the Apex, like, you have this presence. And, of course, like, you're in a show that's for certain people, and you're, like, walking in, and it's like, and, you know, in the back, like, yeah, these select people, and these, and it's like, so you're like, we don't want to offend. And like, you know, when you stand up and you're like, you are, you're a large man. It's like, hey, you know, and you have this confidence. So it's like, uh, should I be talking to this guy? Should I not? But 
again, talking to Rashad and all the fighters that you know, they're just like, bro, and watching some of the interviews you've done, I'm like, oh, he is cool. Like, he is what he says he is. And even you told me, like, hey, man, listen, this is not, you know, this is not me trying to set you up, you know? And all of a sudden, you, I asked you something that is personal or like, hey, you know, I'm not over here researching, the, trying to trip you up and make you feel uncomfortable. You know, I, I did a lot of media interviews, like maybe 60 or so maybe, mm-hmm. and as a, you know, Bloomberg television and... Fox News and ABC and NBC and CBS and whatever, you know, and a bunch of like written publications. And, and most of them are really nice. Right. Most of them are really nice. And once in a while, they talk to you nice, you know, before you record something or before you do something. And then, uh, you know, they, they try to set you up for some bullshit, you know? Right, yeah. And it's just like, it's just nonsense. Or, you know, there's, there's one publication, I don't need to say the name of the publication, but they wrote some shit about me that's just not true. They're like, right. And I, and I, I and called the contact back and I said, like, I recorded our conversation together. Like, the shit you published, like, I never said any, I never said that. Right. I never said anything like that. Right. So you, you're going to take this shit down today and, you know, you can, you can put something up that we actually talked about or take it down entirely. Like, I don't give a fuck which, but you're not going to say that I, I said this, this, and that. Like, I recorded our conversation. Right. Well, I never said that. See, that's... Like, I, I, don't, I never want to be... I'm not, I'm not a trendy person. This is the core of it. It's like, I don't give a shit about the new trend. Right. I don't care about whatever the trendy bullshit is. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's like, um, if you look on the internet, you see, you and I talked about this in a business context previously. It's like, you see people trying to get rich quick and try to get shit they don't deserve. And, you know, they want to poke at each other or try to take something from somebody else and make themselves look good. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little grumpy. Like, I, I don't need to make friends with everybody. But, um... Anybody that I spend time with, you know, they're, they're going to say good things about me. I have, yeah. I have a lot of relationships that are 10, 15, 20 years, you know? Right, right, right. And, um, you know, I, I always like to treat people good, and uh, I'm never trying to set somebody up for something or do some, some of that shady shit. Like, I like to talk about things that are like, what's it take to accomplish something really? Right. And, and that's, that's the thing, like, even like I said, Rashad, like, was telling me, like, he's like, you're just going to talk, man. It's like friends, you know? And that's the part that, you're 100% right, man, and, and, and you did. You, you, you calmed me down because, you know, people, I don't know, like, they want or expect something, you know, and it's like I'm just average, you know, and uh, I can't run around and, and, and do that, you know. Like, what you see on Instagram is not me. You know, like, I love to read books. I love to have conversations where I'm like, man, like, let, give me something out of this. Like, I want to learn something, you know, not just you and me just sit around shooting the shit about dumb stuff. You know, there's a time for that, and I enjoy it. But I'm also like, man, like, I want conversation to be beneficial. Like, okay, I learned something that I didn't know. And so that's the thing, too. You know, you don't ever, I don't ever want to come off as, like, this person that just uh, is a, an airhead or not genuine. You know, like, I don't want that. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm from a small town, man. Um, this process was long, you know, and, and I've made several mistakes, and I'm going to make several more mistakes. But I don't want someone to look at me and be like, oh, this guy has it because he has it all because that's not true. That's just not true. Like, you know, I'm in my position. I've worked hard. I'm still working. I'm still trying to achieve things. But I feel like we're very good at showing success. We're not good at showing failures. And I feel like people sometimes believe, like, successful people. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's been documented enough, like, there's a lot of hard work. But I still don't think you believe it. You know, kind of like, it's like that, um, it's like you don't believe it till it's over. Or you one of those people that says, this is not me or it would never happen to me. 
You know, so like, even though I can tell you, man, you have to bust your butt to be successful, there's still people that feel like, no, not me. Like, I got, I got, you know? And it's like, no, that's absolutely not true. Like, you know, these people that are successful all say the same thing. But it's still that one person that's like, no, not me. I got, I got this. I, I can do this. Like, you know. Those people have real, you know, if they have a little bit of success in the short term, it's a fraction of what they could have had. Yeah. And they tend to have shit outcomes over time. Right. But I'm, uh, I'm about 43. I spent nine years in university. Some high school dropout. Okay. So I was a little badass kid. Got into trouble in all sorts of ways as a teenager, you know? Right. And then I had to go to community college. I couldn't even qualify to go to a, a good university, you know? Right. I had to go to community college for a couple of years. Uh, I had mostly A's. And, um, you know, I, I got a 50% scholarship to go to, like, a good private school. Okay. I could have had, like, a free scholarship to go to an okay school, but I wanted to go to the best school I could go to. Right. You know? And uh, then later on, I went to University of Chicago for their business school, for their Master's of Business Administration program, MBA. That, that was, that's a top program. Everybody knows the name Harvard or Stanford or those schools, but like my program was ranked higher. It was ranked number one out of 416 at the time that I was there. Okay. So, you know, I spent nine years in university. I worked on business stuff since I was seven, literally. Like, my first entrepreneurial money came in when I was seven. Right. I've been, I've been an entrepreneur every moment of that time, probably before then, but at least since then. And, but I still learn new shit every day. Right. And, you know, you have to. If you're not learning new things, you, you're stagnating and falling. And, um, you know, so, so somebody that thinks they already know everything, they're, they're not going to learn much more, you know? So I, I have that, and I'm not saying I always like it, but, you know, I've, life has taught me that humility that, like, well, the, the more I learn, the more I'll earn, you know? Right. If you knew better, you'd do better. Right. And the, those little simple adages like that, that um, any time that I, you know, earlier in life, I, I hope to think that I don't do it so much anymore, but, you know, any time that I, was, I got a little cocky or, I mean, I, I'm a little cocky. I enjoy being a little cocky, and you right. have that part of your personality, right, too. Right, right, right. But, it, but it's not arrogance, you know? Right. Cocky is like you're talking shit, but you know you're talking shit. 100%. But somebody that's arrogant, like, thinks they have a skill that they don't have, and, right. like, you know, you, you know what happens when somebody thinks they have a skill they don't have, and they get in the ring, for instance. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you're going to have a poker fighter in the eye. But, you know, this whole I want it now, I want what you got, and that, like, I feel like that's a, a problem, you know, because it's just not easy. You know, being successful is not easy. Like, even being an adult, man, like, it's tough, you know, and if you don't prepare yourself and make the right decisions, life can be even harder, you know, than it already is going to be. You're going to have challenges, but what do you do with those challenges, you know? Like, of course, they're like, you know, like now you have sayings where people are like, you want to fail every time because you learn by failure. And that's true. Like, you know, like my grandfather would say that, you know, you can learn a lot from mistakes, but he was like, if you really want to be smart, you learn from other people's mistakes. So that's why I love reading about other people. But again, I just feel like we feel like everything is supposed to be easy and it's not, you know, like things that look easy, like you and what you do, being these guys that are professional cut man, like it looks easy because thousands and thousands of hours went into doing that thing. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so it's supposed to look easy. You know, my hand wrap, and I learned that when I first started, my hand wraps don't look the same as they did when I first started. My mm -hmm. hand wraps, honestly, when I first started was terrible. Like, I'm, I can't believe people won. Like, I'm not <laughs> lying. Like, bro, like, you would look at that and be like, holy shit, like, this guy's in the, And I even heard some coaches be like, this guy's in the UFC, like, what? I didn't know. Now, now, like, you know, my hand wrap has gotten better. 
it's maybe not the best, but it's gotten better to where I'm confident with it, you know? And, and even going in the cage now, like, bro, like, I was worried, you know? I used to wait for the fighter to come, and now I don't have a problem going and getting a fighter. So if it looks easy, it's because I've put the time in, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't easy. Trust me, it wasn't. Like, if, if something's easy for somebody to do, this was... This is a really valuable learning lesson from what we're talking about. And we should talk about entrepreneurship, too. Okay. You know? Like, if something's really easy for just anybody could do that shit, you can't be well compensated for something that, like, anybody could do. That's true. You, you know, the, I never looked at it that way. That's 100% the, true. The only things you're going to be well compensated for is, like, you know, you developed a skill or a talent that, mm. you know, there's a barrier to entry that, you know, it, it'd take me... A number of years to, you know, if if I was allowed to be in the position you're in, if that was my calling to go down that path, I couldn't do what you do this week. Right. I, it would take me a number of years to have, you know, you, you pick up a lot of things. Maybe you could pick up 70, 80% in year one. But then there's like, you know, I bet you're still learning stuff now. Still there's, learning. There's still little nuance and little details. I'm sure you're still picking up 15 years later, you know. 100%. Like, yeah, yeah. like, no fighter's ever the same. And no fight is ever the same, you know. And, um. A person got to learn to embrace that is kind of the point I want to get to. Is like a person's got to learn to embrace that. Like the the easy way is not going to lead to great benefits and great rewards in your life. That if you can do some difficult things that most people wouldn't be willing to do that shit, you can end up in some very unique places in life. You can end up with a lot better circumstances than you might imagine. And one one thing I took issue with earlier, you, you said you just average. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not though, man. You know, yeah, but you're not, but. You did some things that average people, average people show up. They they don't even have the creativity of thought to um, to go do something unique. You know, they they show up to their job. You know, they take orders from somebody they don't necessarily like or respect most of the time, and you know they go through their routines and they do. You know, I mean, fiftieth percentile, fiftieth percentile person don't make much money. Right. Don't value education so much. Um, you know, it's a, it's a I support their right to live their life however they want to, but it's, it's not the life that I chose, and, and frankly, I think it's not the life that you chose either. That you're not a you're not an average person. That uh, you you developed a you know differentiated skill set and put yourself in a really unique position here, but then you're also a business owner. That right. you told me you own 15 trucks and your yeah. trucking company. I own a trucking company. Um, again, I've always been, and this is from my father, my grandfather. I've always been like that person that like. I want to do a lot. Mm -hmm. So like me, I was in the fire service. I worked for Southwest Airlines. I, I'm a UFC cut man, and I own a trucking company. Uh, I live in Boca Raton, and I also reside in Las Vegas. So uh, I have a lot of irons in the fire, but that's just how I chose, man. I want, I want to explore, I want to do that. So even like with the trucking thing, you know, I got into it, and I didn't know what I was getting into. But, and I tell you now, man, everybody's not cut out to be a business owner. And if you're not, if, and I mean, I'm, and there's no disrespect to people. Like, people, you know, people really think, and I don't, I don't want to be bold enough to say, but, like, I hate these, like, motivation books and all that stuff. Like, bro, like, to be successful is hard work, period. Like, there's no, there's no formula. There's no... You know, you're not, you could tell me, okay, Brad, I can show you how to make a million dollars, but it's gonna take me time and effort and a lot of mistakes and a lot of headaches to get there. It's never gonna be just that. 
And that's the thing that I don't think people understand. It's like, bro, like, if I didn't love my trucking company, I would have quit because an average person or a normal person will, like, work 8 to 10 hours and bitch about <laughs> it. A business owner is going to work 20 hours, yeah. and they're going to bitch about it. You and know? take a nap and do it again. Exactly. And, and guess what? They get the money, but they can't even enjoy the money because guess what? They're so busy trying to do things. And that's the point where I'm saying, like, when I ever play, people like, oh, I want to do this, I'm doing this. Do you really? Because if you really want to do it, then guess what? You're not going to have as much fun as you think you are. You know, you're, you're going to be stressed. You're going to be like, oh, what is this person doing? Why is this person doing this? You know, being accountable for other people is a headache. So, like, I tell people, like, man, you're not cut out for that. And then sometimes, you know, maybe it's just me being brash, but I kind of get offended when people, like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. Cause I, and especially if I know they're lazy, I'm like, bro, don't waste my time because my time is too valuable. So don't, don't ask me about something that, I'm going to end up having to do for you or I'm going to have to put in way more effort than you are because you don't want to do it, you know? And, and that's the thing about me, and I'm pretty sure you're the same way. Like, your time is so valuable, and you're not a, opposed to giving and helping, but don't waste that time because I need that time, you know? A, a harsh lesson I learned from my mother that I tried to do too much for her, and she didn't really want to take care of herself. Okay. And, you know, I, I really I burned this in my head like you, you can't help somebody that don't want to help themselves. Hundred percent. Uh, is um, I feel I feel very bad inside for time that I spent trying to help people. They didn't even want to help themselves. They, you could tell them exactly what to do, exactly how to do it. These are the steps. These are the things to avoid. These are a couple of things you must do. Here's a couple of things that are optional. You can give them the whole roadmap. Right. And you know I'm, I'm fussy that way with my clients. Like the the cheapest program that I have that uh, that you can talk to me personally to talk to me live, you know, a client pays $5,000 for that. Yeah. And uh, you can't just click a button on the internet and buy that shit. Like, they, they have to fill out a, a request, they have to request an interview. Right, okay. And if they can't manage to fill out the form, it's not a hard form, man. Right. It takes you ten, five minutes, you know. If you can't fill out the form, we don't call them. It's just effort. And then once in a while, they say, you know, hey, I filled out the thing, but, you know, I never heard from anybody. And like, yeah, you probably, you probably skipped a couple things in there that... That's you know, the process. It, it, that's the weeding out process. Is the yeah. form, but it's it, the same and thing. And then they got have an interview with my team. Mm -hmm. And like, if they can't answer some simple questions, it's not hard, man. But if they can't answer some some simple questions, of like, you know, why do you want to work with me personally? Like, like, why is it important for you to work with me? Mm -hmm. If they don't know why it's important to work with me, like, why the fuck am I spending my time with that 100%, person? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm happy to help somebody, but they got to be willing to help themselves. And if they don't think there's nothing special about me or that I couldn't help them in some way that somebody else could, you know. I had to go, go, go talk to Bobo down the street, see what he's going to do for your finances. See, go, go, go talk to, you know, whoever, you know, whoever in the neighborhood to see what they're going to do for your finances. Like, 100%. So I, I, I agree with you. I find it, like, disrespectful when somebody, like, somebody asked me, like, you know, hey, what, you know, what book should I read about blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm gonna, like you're going to read a book about jujitsu, or you're going to read a book about finance and think that you really understand finance? 100%. Like, it's, yeah, I spent nine years in universities and went to some of the best universities in the world and I still I'm learning new stuff all the Warren Buffett when he was 86 there's a quote that really put things in perspective for me when he was 86 years old Buffett said he thinks he understands about two percent to what there is to understand about business wow at age 86 that's crazy with his master's in business you know from a fancy school just what like the wealthiest man in the planet with, yeah and you know and if you think about that, that's a man who could speak to anyone on earth, you know? 
Right. He could call their tech. He could, if he didn't have their information, he, he would know somebody that knows anybody on earth that would right. be happy to take his phone call. The 100%. world leader, other billionaires. Probably could make time. Can you make time for Buffett if you want to chat with you? Today? I would love to. Like, yeah. that's priceless. So if that, if here's a man who had, you know, a high IQ, the best education of his time, of his generation, had access to speak to the the most brilliant and resourceful people on earth, and he's humble enough to say he thinks he understands about two percent to what there is to know about business. So that that really put things into perspective for me. That like, you know, if if Warren Buffett at 86 knows two percent then I, I'd be fortunate to think that maybe I know 1%, you know, 100%. which means there's a whole lot for me to learn yet. That, again, man, just talking to you, and that's something like, even in South Florida, like when I'm at the, at, the, at the gym where we work out and I talk to young people, for some reason, man, I'm a kid at heart, so I gravitate to young people. And it's funny talking to them, because I'm just like, man, you have no idea. Like, you have <laughs> no idea. Life is going to grab you and choke the shit out of you. And I'm like, the way they just see things, and I'm like, and I'm not bashing young people, you know? I just, cause I was young, man. I remember my grandfather used to tell me shit. I was like, man, what do you know? And now, like, this dude was the smartest man on the planet, you know, now that I'm 40 years old. But I just, man, I just see it. And I'm just like, this is not, and that's what frustrates me, Derek, cause when I'm like, I know that's not gonna work, you know? And, and then you come off as like a jerk because it's like, well, man, I try to talk to you. Like, bro, I know that's not going to work. That's not how that works. That's not how it's built. I can't even bring you to people to even set you up for success because they're going to see this and see you trying to bullshit them. And they don't want to waste their time with it, man. They, they want people that really want to work. The same thing, like you said, with filling out the form. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me stuff and I'm like, all right, meet me here. I'm like, hey, where are you at? Oh man, this came up, bro. Don't waste my time. <laughs> like, you I know, <laughs> don't waste my time. Or I give somebody a book. Hey man, you should read this book. And then, the thing is, I love to read. So when I'm like, I'm giving you a book and asking you about it, and um, and I can even tell you, this is my nephew, man. My nephew like frustrated me. He's in high school, and so I give him a book to read, and I was like, this would be cool. Him and I can read this book together. And the deal was. If you read this book, I'm going to get you a brand new PlayStation and three games, mm -hmm. whatever games you want. So we start talking about this book. Well, I call him up and I'm like, hey, man, tell me about this book. And he starts like kind of like babbling around. I'm like, this shit was on the first page. Like, there's no way you're reading this book because this is on the first page. And then I'm asking him about stuff. And I'm like, how do you not know this? This is like, you have to know this, you know? And, uh. I got so mad at him because I was just like, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, I'm willing to give you this game and all this, but you won't even put the effort in to read it. But then you come to me and tell me, well, I think I'm gonna go play in the NFL. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way in hell you're gonna play in the NFL. I said, there's no way in hell you're gonna make it to college. So then I come off as this negative person, you know? And my, of course my mom was like, well, how would you say it? I'm like, I don't have time for the bull. My, like, I'm spending 16 to 17 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I'm either on a plane flying to Vegas. I'm either trying to run a trucking company. You know, I'm doing all this. Like, I don't have 30 minutes or an hour to bullshit with this kid that clearly doesn't want it. Do you, you know? Do you know uh, Eric Dickerson? Yeah. You know Eric Dickerson? Is? Yeah. I had a chat with Eric Dickerson like this. And, you know, he's maybe, I think he's like number 38 or so on the top 100 NFL players oh, of yeah. all time. The Pony Express, that dude was amazing. Yeah. Yep, that's him. <laughs> and, um, 
So yeah, man, he told me a story like, you know, if, if somebody tells me something privately or off camera, then it's private. But right, right, right. He publicly mentioned that he's got a nephew like this. Right. And he says nephew is very naturally talented. He's, you know, he's a very talented guy. Um, but he says he's also lazy. And he said, you know, the kid thinks he's going to go to the NFL and he's going to be, you know, a big star like his uncle. And he's like, man, you know, you, you ain't doing the things, you know, this, this ain't what it looks like, you know? 100%. And, uh... So he just made me think about that. You know, he's going to go to the NFL. He, he ain't got the work ethic to read the book, but he's going to go be an NFL star now. I'm, like I said, man, I'm very giving because I want, you know, I'm a big believer in, like, man, I don't want to, I love my alone time, but, like, if I'm at the top, I want people with me. You know, like, like I feel like Rashad kind of blessed me and brought me up, you know, being a champion and kind of vouching for me. So I want to give that back, but, like, it, it just sucks, man, because when you look back and you're just like, I can't do this for you. Like you have to put in the work. Like you have to be willing. I'll facilitate it. Like I've, I'm, I'm confident enough. I know enough people that I can help anybody if they want to achieve something. I know enough people. But then I'm just like, I don't even like introducing people because I don't want to burn that bridge because you reflect poorly on me. You know. And I like, that's the thing. Like I said, man. I just, I really feel. And I know we got off topic, but I just feel like in today's environment, people look at success. And they think it just happened, you know. And I think some situations, it's the right place, the right... Like, with me, with the UFC, the Cutman thing, it was the right place, it was the right time. But it was also me willing to spend that three to four years of doing this to show Bert, like, if this is what you told me to do, then I'm going to do this. And every day he would see me, I'd be like, hey, Bert, I just worked this show and bum whatever place. You know, I think I got uh, bed bugs, but hey, I went there. You know, hey, Bert, I went over here and did this for free. Hey, Bert, let me wipe hands so you can see it. And that's the part, like, people don't see. You know, like, they didn't see that time put in with this. And you, so, you're overnight success now. Yeah, now it's like, oh, you know, and again, I enjoy it. I still don't even believe it. Like, I, I, I tell people all the time, like, when people are like, hey, I want a picture with you, or hey, I want to... Like, what, why? Like, you know, like, it's still new. Like, I don't consider myself anything. I'm just, I'm Tate. But, you know, it's it's fun, but it's crazy. Like, so many people, like, even, like, when people ask me about it, like, man, how do I be a cut man? I'm like, first question, would you do it for free? For and, years. And everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, would you pay to do it? What do you mean? Like, bro, like, you got to go to these gyms. You got to start learning. You have to put in time, you know, and and again, it's, what if I don't have a gym by me? Well, find a gym. Well, I might have to drive 50 miles. Well, guess what? Fighters that fight in the UFC, sometimes they commute 100 miles one yep. way to go train. I'm like, how bad do you want it? You know, like, this is not easy. Tito Ortiz has become a friend of mine over time, like, like, like a you know, friend friend, and we uh -huh. spend a lot of time together, and it's been to my home, and we train together and do things, and he said, well, he was champion. He's a six-time champion back in the day, Hall of Famer, you know? And Tito said when he was champion, he'd have to travel from Orange County to Los Angeles, you know, more, more than an hour each way. Wow. He said it was a three-hour drive because he wanted to work with a particular coach in Los Angeles. Right. So he was already world champion, and he's taken a three-hour drive a couple times a week to go train with a specific coach that helped him out. Those people are built different, you know, and, th and that's the thing. Like I said, again, like, when I get asked questions about being a cup man, I'm like, bro, like, this is not an easy path, you know, and, and you know, you're not gonna be rich and you're not gonna be, you know, all this. Like, so is this something you wanna do? And I feel like people wanna be cut man because they can't be fighters, you know, and, and that's the honest to God truth. Like, hell, I can't be a fighter. There's no way I could do this. 
But I do feel like when I'm asked about it and it's like, you know, they want to be a cut man because it's easier than trying to be a fighter. And, and I, I just, you know, again, not to get off topic, I just feel like sometimes people really don't understand. Like, and I think we all were guilty of it. We don't show the struggles. Like, I know I'm guilty of it. I will never post a picture of you, post a picture of myself messing up a hand wrap or me being frustrated or almost losing my trucking company and all that. Like, I don't post that. I'll post pictures of the 15 with me out there. So I guess we're guilty of that. But I just don't want people to ever think like, Success is easy. Like I, can, you can buy all the successful help books, you know. But we can, we don't even have to read 500 pages. You know, don't quit. The shit's gonna get hard. Don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets hard again, don't give up. You know, like the help book is like, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, if you want this, you know. Two, two things I thought about <laughs> while you've been chatting is that, um, you know, sometimes people mistake me for a motivational coach. <laughs> I'm not here to motivate anybody. Right. If they ain't already motivated, like, you're going to need a hell of a lot more than motivation. There are right. going to be times where there's times I wake up today and I have, you know, no motivation. I'm like, well, but I also got shit to do. Right, 100%. You know, so, well, I don't, feel, I don't feel like it today. Well, the success guys don't give a shit what I feel like. They, they only care about the behaviors I engage in today. Right. Success guys don't care about your feelings or mine. No, they The success don't. guys only care about what, are, what sort of behaviors we're going to engage in today that's going to lead to a better outcome. And, 100%. Now, and I have this thought in my head, I'm, I'm not the most altruistic person, nor, nor do I ever pretend to be, that I'm happy to help people, but again, I, I want to help people that they're, they're already doing well, and they want to do a lot better. Yes. And, you know, I, I grew up around losers. I am not going to spend my adult life around losers. I, I work my ass off to get away from losers, and I, I'm not spending time with these people. That I wish them well, but not with me. So if somebody's already, you're already doing good at something, you want to do significantly better, those are the people that... that I feel like I can help, but I'm not there to motivate them, man. Like they they got to be motivated, and again, motivation's not enough. They're gonna have to be disciplined. They're gonna have to they have to look stupid and feel stupid. Like, right. man, when I started training with like, this might sound half crazy to you, but like when I started training in MMA, I never went to like a, my mom wouldn't let me go to like a you know the local karate gym or the local boxing gym because I was already getting in fights and shit as a kid, and she thought it was gonna be trouble. Now the truth is, and you know that too, that. Had I done that, I would have had less violence and less trouble as a child because I, I would have behaved myself better, you know? Right. You but, know. But from her perspective, she thought, like, man, if we send this kid to fighting lessons, it's going to be bad because right. he's already quick-tempered and, you know, somebody says something or put their hands on him and he hurts him maybe more than he should. And I had black eyes and I got smacked around, too, when I was a kid, so I'm not saying I was such a tough guy, but... Um, if somebody put their hands on me, we, you know, I took that a certain way and we we're going to have some immediate response to that, you know? But anyway, when I started training MMA, I started training with former world champions from, from the beginning. You know, I just started that recently, like last year. Right. And, um, you know, my, my, first, uh, <laughs> my first time training with Jake Shields, he gets me in like a front guillotine choke. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm still trying to finagle that a little bit. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll sort this out. And, you know, I'm having a hard time breathing, but I'll sort this out. And he really ripped on that. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought, like, well, this is how you die, you know? <laughs> Dude, I've never done, like, these guys always ask me. My throat hurt every day for 15 bro, days. Like, these guys always want, hey, Tate, you're big. I'm like, bro, I play football. They're like, man, you, you get in there. And I'm like, bro, no, you're not hitting me. Like, I'm, I'm not that guy. Like, no, that's not me. But I, I laugh because, um, yeah, that, that's just crazy. Like, the whole, every time I tell somebody about the UFC, they really are like, oh, my God, it's so violent. And I'm like... 
these are the nicest yeah. people, bro. Like, they're like, it's very rare they don't shake hands afterwards. It's a sport to them, and they're so disciplined in it. And, like, people don't really understand. Like, it gets such a bad rep because it's like, oh, it's fighting. And they really feel like these guys are, like, out of control with a bad temper. And I'm like, these guys are not... First of all, it's a fight. You can't be out of control and you can't have a temper. Like, these guys are controlled, you know? It's, it's a sport. So I love that. So whenever I talk to people about MMA, I'm like, man, you would be shocked to just find out how much of a sport and how these guys really are, you know? You can't be on the high level of anything without having some emotional controls. 100%. 100%. If you can't control your emotions, if you can't make yourself do things when you don't want to, right. if you can't uh, have a longer, a longer perspective or a bigger picture in mind of like, well... I don't feel like doing certain things today, but you know, but I did set this goal, and I do have a team around me and coaches and trainers and mentors and, and fans for many of them that like I can't disappoint these people. I got to go do what I'm supposed to do right now, you know. Right. So I, I think uh, you know, re, re, regarding the bigger topic that we've been chatting on, like you know, you, you're not going to have what people think of like an overnight success. Probably took somebody at least ten years in the background. Oh. Ten years of fumbling around and working their way up to, to be at a point where you know, you're, you're on television or I'm on television or the fighters or these other people that were around or they're doing something significant. Uh, it, it, it only took me 35 years to be an overnight success, you know? Yeah, and I mean, again, I mean, it's, it's documented in several places where people always know that, where it's like, like you just said, it took me 35 years to be an overnight success. And I just, I really feel like with me, like one, we have to kind of, what is success? You know, like, you have some people that have wealth, and that might be success to them. You know, me, my success is that, bro, I'm just happy. Like, I sleep, and I'm happy. I wake up, I'm happy. I'm, I'm here talking to you, and I'm having a good time. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to a show. I'm going to pick on Roger, and uh, I'm going to make fun of him, and I'm going to make fun of these guys, but I'm not going to do it in a malicious way. Like, like, they don't, you know, think that I don't like them. I'm going to do it because, like, that's my family. That's what we do. I'm going to sit in the front row and, and watch right. for and the social I'm a, cues. I'm going to come sit there and I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, I'm going to interact with people. That's to me, is success. Like, you know, like, I'm not, I don't need that. So, you know, my thing is, like, man, first of all, stop looking at what success is. It's not about jewelry and it's not about the fastest car. You know, find happiness and be happy. And then once you get there, you know, if you like doing something, like I think Steve Jobs was the one that said it, you know, do something you love because it's going to get hard. And the only reason it's going to keep going is because you love it. You know, it's the same thing with aspect with me and trucking. I enjoy it. Like, don't get me wrong, bro. Like, I've had a, a horrible week with a lot of, with the snow and a lot of breakdowns. But all in all, man, I really enjoy it. I love those chess pieces. I love opening my computer and looking at where these trucks are over America and getting the calls and like, okay, this. And then at the end of the week, you're like, okay, I made X, Y, Z. And it's fun. I love the thrill. It's still exciting for me. And then I jump on a plane. I come out here and I got to work a fight tomorrow. So like, I have a great life and a great foundation, all that fun. But that's why I can keep doing that. You know, that's what drives me and where I'm at. But it does get hard, and you have to understand like. Anything in, worth, anything in life worth having is worth working for, you know? And then, like, my grandfather would tell me, like, you know, you can't pull people up to your level, but they can pull you down to theirs. You know, uh, I, I will tell you, like, I'm just your normal guy, but I'm also tell you, like, I'm built different. Like, I want the best. I want that. And I'm willing to put in the time to get that. You know, once I put that thought in my head, you know, once I told Bert I wanted to be a cut man, I annoyed the shit out of him until he was like, you know, and then guys, and again, 
Luck had to help him. But, you know, a couple guys had to vouch for him. But not just stuff. annoyed them, also did the work in the background. Again, yeah. like Let I him was, know that, hey, hey, Bert, I'm doing the thing in the background. It was like sure. a dog, man. If he threw a bone, I would go get him and bring it back to him. Hey, you need to go work two shows. And I would go work two shows. But they got to hear that because when they hear, oh, I just got to be persistent and annoy a motherfucker to get what You're I right. want. That's true. So if Bert told me to do something, if Bert gave me the keys, the keys that Bert gave me to be a, a cut man, I followed to the T. I learned, I learned how to wrap hands, and then I came and showed him, Bert, look, I can wrap hands. And then I went and worked a small show, and then I came back. He's like, go work two more, and I'd go work two more. So that was the kind of point where I'm saying, like, you know, when you're being persistent, but you're absolutely right. Like, you can't be persistent and annoy the hell out of somebody. You got to be like, yo, if I tell you, hey, I need you to read 10 books about trucking, bring there and show me that you read the 10 books, and then we can move on to the next part, you know, because... I find in society, some people like to get to Z. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of letters in there before you get to Z. And, you know, and there's no, and like you said, you can't circumvent that, man. You have to go through that process. You can't skip A to get to B. You know, you can't skip those. You have to, everything is built on something. So, and that's what I like too, man. You got to learn. You know, mistakes are there to teach you. All right, guess what? I just learned that uh, a couple of my drivers are not draining the air pressure out of the tanks. Well, guess what? When you get to eight degrees weather, it freezes and it causes the truck to lock up and the brakes to lock up. Mm. I didn't know that, and I've been dealing with trucks for 20 years. Mm. I mean, I knew to drain the, the valve, but I thought that my drivers would know that. Mm. So now I know, hey, guess what? If the, truck is, if the truck brakes are locking up and you're cold, have you been draining the air tank out of there to get the moisture out of there? So I just learned that yesterday cost me a lot of money because I had to fix it and all that. But once again, was I frustrated? Hell yeah, I was frustrated at midnight because I had to be up at 4 o'clock to catch a flight to get out here. But I still learned and now I'm moving forward. And that's what I mean, you know, don't get discouraged, you know, but take those bumps. And then, again, man, like, kind of live in that moment. Like, oh, I just learned something. I just learned something that I didn't know about trucking. So next year, when the winter comes... I learned something, you let's, know. Let's wrap up or summarize a couple mm -hmm. of these thoughts. Like, I think you and I both agree a lot that you got to be a lifetime learner. That you, you stop learning, like your, your results are going to be very limited after that point if you're not learning new things and making progress. 100%. I think we both agree about that. About, you know, the work ethic thing. You mentioned Kamaro recently, or earlier today, you mentioned right. Kamaro Usman. And Kamaro here, was here with me about a week and a half ago. We sat down together and, and a great man. You know, Kamaro is six-time champion at the moment. He's a current champion. Six-time champion. Dude's a lot of people say is you know the best pound-for-pound fighter in right. the whole organization right now, and you know, of all professional fighters. Right. And uh, a really nice guy. You know, we we spent a couple hours together. Very uh, humble. He's texted me last week as well, and you know, really nice man. And, I hope uh, he gets that Canelo fight because I think, I think he's gonna do something. I don't. I'm not saying he's gonna beat him, but I'm just saying like I like that guy because Usman's the kind of guy that will put in the work and put in the time and do what needs to be done to be successful. And that's what I like about him, you know. And he and I talked about that, that, that you know, he, he was saying that when he was back in college wrestling, that, you know, he hadn't had his body record starting off. And he's, you know, telling his coach, he's like, man, I, I do all the things the other guys are doing. And, uh, you know, I do everything this, the, the team suggests I do. I, I never miss practice. I do all the stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm not winning all my fights like I, like I feel like I could in my heart. And uh, he said, I believe it was a coach, or I believe it was a coach pointed out to him, uh, and I don't want to misspeak, but someone pointed out to him, he's like, well, if you're doing all the things that the other wrestlers are doing, how do you think you would have a better outcome than them? <laughs> you're going to have to do significantly more. Right. 
And he said that changed his behaviors a lot because, you know, he wasn't, when other people on the wrestling team, they're supposed to be cutting weight, but they're having a drink on the weekend, things like that, that uh, he's like, nah, I'm not drinking, I'm not, I'm not doing any of this normal people shit. I'm going to do the, the absolute best. Yeah, those little incremental things that right. are emotionally painful in the short, short term, um, you know, most people would call that a sacrifice. I tend to call that an investment. That like, if you, if you make it a calculated decision that like, I'm going to forego this little bit of happiness now, so I could have a better future and take care of myself and my people and my loved ones. I, I call that an investment, but most 100%. people call that a sacrifice. But yeah, I mean that, that's the type of work. If you want to have exceptional outcomes, you're going to have to engage in exceptional behaviors. Yes, it's, it's ridiculous to think that you're going to have, you know, you, you're going to be the the guy that's trusted by world champions to take care of them at the most crucial moments in, in their career. Some of the most crucial moments they're going to go, they're about to go out there and fight in, in five rounds and pay-per-view for, you know, sometimes millions of dollars, and right. you're in charge of taking care of them and giving them some comfort. Like, why would they put somebody, how could they take some fucking dodo off the street <laughs> and put them in that spot? <laughs> you, it's absurd. Think how crazy that is. You I know? appreciate. I never looked at it that way, and I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Now I'm more nervous. Well, it's now. true. <laughs> but no, I mean. No, but you. But you earned that spot. True. Thank you. Yeah. Again, I, I could figure out some elements of what you do, but you know, it'd be ridiculous for me to go. I wouldn't. If, if you said, "Hey, man, you want to go wrap up tomorrow's hands for his next fight?" I'd be like, "Man, there's probably somebody more qualified to do that." That's true. I could figure it out. I'd probably do an okay job, but. I couldn't do what you do, and I wouldn't know all the nuances in detail. That was actually the hardest part of breaking into being a cut man is getting the fighters to trust you. You have to get the fighters to sit down and put their hands up there and know, you know, all right. This, and, and that honestly makes it hard for a lot of people. They don't have that. They just don't have that thing, you know, that the fighters are like, all right, you know. My thing, honestly, was Bert. Bert was like, this guy's good, but... You still gotta go and walk through there and do that. You still gotta knock it out the park. You still gotta, you know, Bert gave me the opportunity to wrap the guy's hand, but what I did was the reason why the guy came back and said, hey, can this guy wrap my hands again? You know, so. Hey man, you gotta earn your spot. There's there right. some things in the world, there's some type of people that I could look them in the eye and say with 100% certainty, there's nobody in the world that could help you with your business better than me. Right. There's nobody in the world that could help you understand, not, not everybody, because not everybody's serious. Right. But there's, a, there's an archetype of person that's doing well already, they, but they know they're not living up to their potential. They're probably doing above average, but they're okay. frustrated. They know they could do a lot better. Right. And for that type of person, like, I'm probably the best person in the world that could help them. Depends on their personality. Depends on their goals. Nice. If they, if they want to do good in real estate, they want to do good in the stock market, they want to learn about entrepreneurship, there's a lot of people like that that could look them in their eyes and say, like, there's, there's nobody that could help you more than me. But I earned that spot. It only took me 35 years. <laughs> yeah. And the same way that, like, you know, if I was offered, you know, hey, man, you want to wrap Kamaru's hands uh, for his next fight, it'd be like, you know, I'm probably not the best person for that. I, I wouldn't want to be in that position to, out of respect for him and, and other professionals like yourself. Like, I'm not the best person to take that job, man. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> you, you earned that spot. I know we're wrapping up, but let me ask you this question. How do you feel about people actually being man enough or woman enough to say, hey, like, I'm not the person for that right now. Like, give me some time, but... I'm, you know, I, I'm not a tennis coach. Mm. I'm not the best person to be... I don't give a shit about tennis. I'm okay. no good at it. Right. You know, I wouldn't be the best person to be your tennis coach. You wouldn't want me to be your heart surgeon. It's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to end bad, and I don't want that responsibility knowing that you died. <laughs> Literally with blood on my hands. I don't want that responsibility. Right. 
So, and I, I don't pretend to be good at things I'm not. And I get, you know, you're that type of person that like, there's a few things you're really great at. I think you're too humble, honestly. <laughs> I do. Not sincerely, I, I get the impression you're too, you say a couple of times, like, man, I'm just a normal guy. Now, you, you might have been born a normal guy, but you did some exceptional things and you, you earned an abnormally good spot in your life and you're, you're, you earned um, you know, some unique life experiences and in entrepreneurship you know, and in your, your UFC endeavors that uh, you're, you're not a normal man and you, you earned a, a spot that you know, I admire, that you know, I see you on TV and I see you with the fights and I'm like, oh, Tate, serious. Like, I got the impression. I know. I know a couple of the other cut guys. Like, right. if, you, if you talk to them, like they know me. They say hi to me. Yes, sir. But I had the impression that if I was in the ring, I'd be like, man, I think I'd like taste the rug and <laughs> I appreciate come that. smash that metal paddle <laughs> on my face, that. which must be painful. That. Yes, it is. Come yeah. smash that metal paddle and help the swelling go down and put some fucking Vaseline on my gashed open eye. Yeah, man. I thought you'd be the man that I'd love to help. With. Man, I, and that's the thing too, man. I appreciate hearing that from you, and that's that's ultimately what you want. You want your your peers, and you want people to like, hey. I appreciate this guy, and you know, like T.J. Dillashaw thanked me this last fight for his last fight, and mm-hmm. that, that was like that was a great feeling. Like he said, "Man, I really appreciate you," and like you know, for him to notice that and even appreciate that work, like it's very appreciative. Like we all love to be appreciated, and you know, we don't do it to be appreciated, but every, when it happens, man, and it's genuine, it's it's a great feeling. You know, you, you talked several times about mentors today that you had, you know, your your mentors and your mm-hmm. endeavors and. Uh, Guys that you looked up to that, that taught you some shit and give you a hard time on occasion as well. It right. sounds like, you know, could could you be doing what you're doing if you didn't have those mentors or that guidance along the way? Um, I couldn't have done the shit I did. Without I'll be honest with you, yes and no. Uh, I'm stubborn enough to still do it, but I still needed those guys. So like your your Don Houses and your Rudy's and my grandfather, like yeah, like my grandfather especially. Like man, I wouldn't have. I think I would have gotten to where I'm at, but it would have just taken me a long time. I'd have been 60. Would you be doing it at a strip club in Albuquerque, or would you be doing it at the UFC Apex? Uh, no, Center? no, I wouldn't be there. Like I said, I'd have been. It would take, taken me some time, so I definitely want that too. And I mean, we don't talk about that. Like, man, find mentors, find someone that is doing something that you want to do, and and pick their brain. But you got to understand too, when you do that, you can't be full of shit, like because people don't understand like time. You know, like my grandfather would tell me, you can take my money, you can take my possessions, just don't waste my time. When you waste my time, you're killing me slowly. So that's something that I would encourage. I would definitely encourage mentorship. Find you someone that, you know, hell, reach out to me, but just realize when you do, man, like my time is very limited. So when I give it to you, don't waste it, you know, and 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 and, and I'm sure you're the same way, but definitely find you someone. You know, I like to read. Maybe you don't like to read. Find you somebody, bond with them, that have them take time and value their time and value what they're giving you. Because that lesson that they're giving you, it was bought and paid for by time and sweat by them, you know? I had the worst mentors as a child, which is still a mentor. You still learn some things. Like you, you learn, you know, I learned some things in my childhood environment. and be like, I don't think I'm going to use heroin. That don't look like a good path in life, you know? So I had some mentors like that where you look around and be like, man, that's a disaster. I'm not, I don't want to do that shit. But I didn't have like a lot of po- I didn't have any positive mentors for some years in my childhood. And as an adult, I th- I've I've really lived this way, and I put I put my behavior and my money where my mouth is. That right. like anything new that I want to learn, I want to learn from the best people in the world doing that. Hundred percent. And you know you got to earn your spot to be around those people. You 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 can't be around those people. Money is not enough. Money doesn't buy access to those people. Money is not enough. Like they got to see that you're showing up, that you're you're putting in the work, that you're training by yourself, that you're 
you know, you're the real thing and you're going to be somebody. You're going you're gonna to do, it's a good use of their time to invest in you. There's going to be some warmth in that relationship. 100%. So. My grandfather used to tell me, you can learn from anybody. And he, he, he meant that, you know, you could learn. He was one of the big reasons that like, keep me humble because he was like, you can learn from a bum, you know? And my grandfather would always tell me, whether you're teaching or you're not teaching, you're still teaching. And, and that kind of, that, 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 that stuck with me. So, man, I love, like I told you, when I'm at the cage, I love meeting people. I love it because I want to know. And like, you know something that I don't know. And hey, I'm from here and man, what are you doing? Like, I love people and I love learning. My grandfather was very adamant about that. You know, learning from people, being humble, opening yourself up. So that's why, like, I'll tell you, like, even you said you didn't have mentors, like you did, you know, people that showed you wrong shit was like some- That was very valuable. (laughs) You know, like, don't go down this path, you know, like, you know, which is kind of crazy. Like, you'll always see a parent that'll be like, don't drink a beer. You know, I think I read it somewhere where there was two sons and you probably heard it where one guy was like, I drink a six pack every day. And they're like, why? He's like, well, I watched my dad do it. And then the one son was like, I don't drink any alcohol. He's like, why? Well, I watched my dad do it. So it's all about your choices and how you take that, that lesson and what you do and how you apply it. Apply my, it. My grandfather was like a traditional European type guy, you know, is a Italian guy. And um, he'd give me, you know, I, I was four or five years old and you know, he'd, he'd give me like half a beer. And you know, like at dinner time or something, like, if I wanted it, if he if he drank a beer, he you know he'd, he'd ask me, you know, you want to? He poured me you know six ounces of beer or something. Today they call that child abuse, or something <laughs> right. crazy, you know. But you know when I turned well, through my teenage years, I drank, but I never got carried away with it so much. Just a couple times I got drunk because like the first time you drink whiskey and mm. you had eleven shots, and then you realize <laughs> like oh, I should never do that ever again in my right. life, you know. So I had a couple of those moments, but you know, I, I had friends that. Um, you know, their family was really strict, and then when they start drinking, it was crazy, you know, this crazy shit happened in their lives that you don't want to hear about, I don't want to talk about. That's me. That's why I don't drink. I don't drink for that reason. I come from a line, my family are alcoholics, mm. and a few times that I've drank, shit just went out of control with me, so I just don't drink, but again, these lessons, man, store-bought sense. <laughs> Last question I got to ask you. You've been around countless champions, you know, mm-hmm. more than dozens. You must have been around, you know more than 100 champions, a couple hundred champions. And um, you ever see somebody with a, that championship belt around their waist or somebody that was extraordinarily successful in any area that, that didn't have a good coach or good mentor or somebody that helped them on that path? No, I can't think of, I can, I'll take it one step further. I've never been around a, tamp, a champion that didn't have a great team environment. So, not to say it takes a village, but if you're watching this, protect your circle, keep your circle small, and keep your circle, you know what I'm saying? Like LeBron James. This guy worth a billion dollars, but look at his circle. Look at his group of people. So to be successful, you, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at by myself. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the greatest and I did it on my own. It takes people. So dedicate that time. Do your research. Find out who you want to be a mentor. Find out who you want in your corner. You know, do you want that friend that, and I like to say this, and I'll tell Rashad, and Rashad will tell you this, being a friend is hard as hell. Because being a friend is the person that says, you don't need to drink. Being a friend is that person that says, hey, your breath stinks. Hey, you shouldn't wear that, you look fat. Hey, you're kind of being an asshole. Hey, you're being obnoxious. That is being a friend. 
being a friend is not the hey fuck it man you only had ten beers you oh bro I've seen you drive worse I've seen you drive more hammered that's not your friend yeah you know uh, like I said again man I'm, I grew up I'm a Texas boy so all the sayings you know uh, my grandfather would say too is everyone that gets you out of shit is not your friend and people that shit on you is not your enemy you know and put some thought into that you know being a friend of you might mean I might tell you hey bro you don't need to do that like bro you don't need to do coke. You don't need to do that drug. That sucks because now, I mean, you got an altercation where we're fighting, man, fuck you all, your boy. Like, and that's happened, bro. Like, seriously, you know. I had this with my friends in childhood, yeah. You know, bro, oh, you think you're better than me? No, bro, like, dumbass, I'm trying to stop you from doing something that's going to go down. You know, again, like, bro, every time you watch SportsCenter and you see an athlete fall from grace to do something fucking boneheaded, what's the first thing they say? What was his friends or who's around them or how are they letting people... How are they letting this happen? So I say that with you. Yes, get mentors. But also, man, be very, very peculiar in who you have around you. You know, like, shit, do you want the guy that you can have a million dollars on thing and he'll ask you for money or before he takes it? Or you want the guy to kind of like, oh, I'm around for the, for, the, for the money, the dope, the girls and all that, the, the spotlight? I, I have this mastermind group in my business. I don't talk about it much. I just put the sign in the background because I like to see my likeness on a gold coin. Okay. I grew up poor, so this <laughs> means something special to me. But, you know, the, nobody, after they go through three mentoring courses with me, you know, the people that I like the most, that I believe that they did the work, that I believe that they're, they're going to go be somebody. They're on the path and they're dedicated. Some of them are already multimillionaires. Some of them are, you know, we had a kid that's like 19 years old from, you know, uh, just a young kid, but it's clear to me he's going to go make, you know, million-plus dollars in his life. If you, if you met him, you spent time, you see that. You'd be like, well, he's 19, and he still does some dumbass shit. But right. he's certainly on his way. But um, people pay $20,000 to join that group. It's invite only. I invite them once. If they're not excited, if they don't figure it out, you know, like, if they're not excited to join, they won't get a second invitation. Right. they, they got to think about it, it's like, no, it's, no worries. Like, there's no pressure at all, but we ask them one time, like, yeah, we think you'd be well-qualified for this group, and... This is why, and you know, is that a priority for you? And, you know, and almost everybody says yes, but the three, four, or five times, oh, I got to think about it. Say, oh, my mistake, you know, my mistake. So I'll do it later. No, 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 no. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's the point of that group. That's, that's for current and future millionaires. And, and I, you know, it's literally the group that I wish I had when I was younger. That when you when I was hanging around with a bunch of, you know, hundred heirs or thousand heirs, how, how are you going to? How are you going to be making, you know, the best financial decisions? How are you going to be having, like, real wealth or financial abundance in your life if you're, you're hanging out with a bunch of hundred heirs? 100%. It can't be that way, man. You got, I got to hang out with other entrepreneurs, other investors. and You got to be able to be uncomfortable. You got to be able to go in a room that you can be uncomfortable in. And not to the point where you're uncomfortable where you want, but being uncomfortable is a good thing because it means, like, you're either going to move. You're going to do something to not be to kind of get comfortable, you know, and, and you don't ever want to be comfortable. Uh, and if you look at the greats, like, you know, Tiger Woods won a uh, uh, PGA Tour and then he changed his swing. Uh, Michael Jordan, you know, fighters. Fighters, you like, why did this guy leave a camp? Because he got complacent. He was like, I'm, I'm the alpha here. So what you're saying is exactly right, man. You want to get, you know, and and that's true statement too like people are going to pull you you know like if I'm around a bunch of millionaires and guess what eventually something's got to happen I mean unless you're a complete idiot and you're not listening to what these people say 
you know, but yeah, that's hang around those people that you want to be like, you know, if you, you know, and then again, if you want to be the idiot that's out drinking and partying and doing drugs, you know, it's, that's an easy group to find too. And they, you know, like, what's the saying? Show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. <laughs> so that's true. Success is not for everybody, may or may not be for you. You have to make that decision for yourself. But Mr. Tate, thank you for spending the time. Brother, I appreciate it. I feel it. like thank I got so a new much. friend. Thank you. I, yes, yes, I yes. I look forward to, I to uh, chatting wait. with you more and spending more Dude, time together. when you come to the next show, get there, let me know so I can come out and I want to wrap your hands so you can actually see how the MMA, how we do it in MMA. Versus boxing. be in the audience. With <laughs> Don't punch anybody. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. <laughs>